Praise the name of the Lord. Welcome to the last part of this series. I hope you've learned something this month. All right. Let's pray. Please bow your heads. Father, we thank you because the entrance of your word gives light. Thank you because there's understanding for us. We do not walk in darkness. We have the light of life. We are doers of your word because we have your spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, we've prayed. I have a very simple message this morning, and it's titled Believer's Mandate. Say Believer's Mandate. And the question we are here to answer is, what are we here to do as believers? What's our responsibility as believers? What's our mandate? What has God ordained for us to do? Praise the name of the Lord. It was late Miles Monroe that said, if the purpose of a thing is not known, abuse is inevitable. It means if you don't know why you are here as a believer, you do everything you think you should be doing, and you might just realize that you're doing the wrong thing all the while. <coughs> Praise the name of the Lord. I think it should bother you. I think it's, it should bother you if you don't know what your mandate is as a believer. And if you don't know, there are a lot of things that are trying to call for your attention and trying to call for a call and making a call for action. A lot of things are trying to grasp your attention. Everybody is trying to get your attention and is employing you for a call to action. And it's easy to be, you know, busy and doing a lot of things that you think are important. Because the truth is, in, we live in a day and age where everybody has mastered the act of making whatever they want to say sound important. They want it to sound important. They want you to pay attention to them. Sometimes it's for their good. Sometimes they project it as for your good. But at the end of the, 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 the day, God is the one that marks everyone's script. Praise the name of the Lord. Not only is it important to know what you're meant to do, it's important that you do it also. Are you hearing me? Because, I mean, like, it's easy to know. If you pay attention, if you listen carefully, it's easy to know what to do. The question is, are you doing what you should be doing? Are you doing what you should be doing? That's the big question. And that's the question I'm positing to you this morning. Are you doing what you should be doing? Are you serious about the believer's mandate? Do you know it? And are you paying attention to it? Praise the name of the Lord. First of all, let me say this. From a biblical worldview, a believer should be easy to spot. What did I say? A believer should be easy to spot. And the challenge is that are you listening many times we have not been trained enough so we don't know what a believer should look like we don't know we don't know the standard is so low these days that any small effort is imp is impressive 
The standard of decency is so low that any small thing is impressive. The standard in relationship is so low that if you are one good guy, ah, you are like gold. Everyone will be seeking for you. Everybody will want their mom to meet you. Do you get what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? But you see, the Bible standard has not changed. It hasn't changed. So, we have to get back into the word of God to find out what is the standard. What should a believer look like? What should a believer feel like? Are you hearing what I'm saying? And then you align yourself to it. We had workers retreats this weekend. And I said, my honest fear is that as a generation, we are so distracted, it might not be very easy to stay a revival in this day and age. Because it, because it takes a lot. And we don't, we haven't, we've lost endurance. We don't have spine. We don't have the threshold that it demands. We don't have the spine to be true believers. We just don't know it. Because we are easily impressed. I come to church every day. I pray every day. So come on, I'm better. I hear what I'm saying. I mean, I can, you can randomly walk to the streets and pick a guy at random and the guy smokes weed. And the guy does one thing that is wrong or the other. You can look at someone and say, this guy is a Yahoo boy. It's that obvious now. So it's more difficult. So it seems like we, the light of the world, have become dimmer and dimmer such that it's not even easy. You have to look very well to see if there's any light in the bulb. That's what has happened. It's so dim, you have to look very closely at the bulb to see if there's any light. But he calls us a city set on a hill. He said we can't be hidden. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes, sir. So I'm presenting to you the believer's mandate. What should you look like? What should you look like? I'm happy that you probably don't do overt bad stuff. Meaning, you don't do bad things that everybody sees and knows. <laughs> like someone said, you can do the wrong thing, but just don't be caught. You know, that's what believers look like today. Just don't be caught. That, that's, we don't see it, but that's the truth. How about taking the Bible's admonition? Mortify the deeds of the flesh. Kill the deeds of the flesh. Kill the deeds of the flesh. How about that? Our parents grew up in the day and age of SU. And the believers you know. Where if you were a believer, they knew. We have watered down everything. And now, like I said, it's, not, it's difficult to know. 
Acts chapter 11, verse 26. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Acts chapter 11, verse 26. We're going to read together. What I pray for is that after this service today, you would catch a vision for what you should look like and you would run with it. Say loud, amen. Acts chapter 11, verse 26. The Bible says, And when they had found him, they brought him into Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year, he, they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. Let me, let, me, let me start from there. Let me start from there. The Bible says, first of all, they assembled themselves. They gathered because today we say church is not the building. That's nice. But they gathered. Do you get what I'm saying? There were letters that were written out and they could read it in their houses and in house churches, but they gathered. Are you hear what I'm saying? So the gathering of the believers is not an option. The writer of Hebrews says that much. He says it's for your preservation. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. He says something. He says, But exalt one another daily. Say daily. Uh -uh. Say daily. He says, Exalt one another daily. While it's still called today, lest any of you be hardened. By the deceitfulness of sin. You see, what we do not realize is that the word of God must be received on a daily basis. How frequently? He says it has an, it has an impact. He says you can become hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Where sin is not as sinful anymore. Because you can, you, can, you can adapt. You can get used to it. You, get, you start from a place of feeling condemned and feeling very terrible to a place where you're a hard guy. Nothing touches you. Have you met God? Do you know what it means? Ah, It seems like we have fallen from where we ought to be. And honestly, what I'm doing is an honest call for repentance. Change the way you see these things. Let's get serious about what we're doing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let's get serious about what we're doing. It's easy to see people whose wrongdoings are obvious. Club on Friday church on Sunday. It's easy to see theirs. But I get it, you didn't go to the club, but what were you doing behind closed doors? Do you get what I'm saying? Because we like to deceive ourselves. We don't realize that we stand before him. Before whom everything is naked and clear. Your actions, your words, your thoughts, your intentions, everything 
And let me tell you something. These things, these secret things, weaken your Christian life in an obvious way. So the sins might not be obvious. They might be in secret. But they will weaken your Christian life in an obvious way. That's what we don't realize. He says, admonish one another daily before you become hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So in Acts chapter 11, where we have where we're reading verse 26, it says that the whole for a whole year they assembled together as a church and taught much people. They received God's word regularly. It says, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. There was something about them that made people brand them. There was something about them that made people give them a tag. You know, Christians in our own day hate to be tagged anything that is Christian. Hate to be called churchy. Do you get what I'm saying? Hate to be called zealous. We hate it. Can you imagine that? But they looked at these guys and they said, these guys are like Christ. What do we know about Jesus? The Bible said the zeal of the Father's house consumed him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, you know, people think, and many of us assume that there are different versions of Christianity. I take the one that works for me. It's not true. It's not true. There's one brand of Christianity and it's called Christ-like. Meaning if we read about Christ and we read about your life, we should see similarities. Hey, are you hearing me? We should see similarities. So we're learning on the believer's mandate. And part of what you would see is what um, we've called spiritual fire. We've said this before, so I just want to, you know, mention it. We said a man of spiritual fire, number one, knows the prophecy of God over his life. Hmm. He knows the prophecy of his life. Number two, he knows the responsibility that he must be committed to to achieve the prophecies of his life. He knows the responsibilities that he must be committed to to achieve the prophecies of his life. Number three, he knows the spiritual games the devil is playing. Hmm. He knows the spiritual games that the devil is playing. And number four, he's adequately equipped and actively involved in the warfare to take his place in destiny. What's number one? He knows the prophecy of his life. And so here's my question to you. Do you know what God would have you do? Do you know it's very ridiculous that a believer in our day and age can go through life not knowing what exactly God would have him do? Not knowing what God would have him do. Let me tell you something. I teach this in church and I want to say it again. I don't have the time to explain it. But the most popular way God leads people is cluelessness. You just would not know. 
you will just not know. And I wish I had the time to establish it properly, but here's what I would say. Hmm? The only way to do what you don't know, the only way to achieve a goal you don't know and he hasn't told you is to follow his spirit. Are you hear what I'm saying? Is to follow his spirit. Is that your spirit is malleable enough, yielded enough that what you would think is just you taking initiative and you doing one thing or the other is the leading of God. You are clueless that he's leading you. Sometimes you think you are taking an initiative on your own. Sometimes you think you're upset about something on your own. But you are yielded enough to be used at every point in time. Are you hear what I'm saying? Are you hear what I'm saying? So I want you to build your spirit to that point. Where God can use you. You know, as important as it is to ask God, oh, what would you have me do? The most important thing is that you are doing what he would have you do. And so, if you are yielded enough, whether you know or you don't know, you will continue to take steps in line with God's plans for your life. And then when the next step he wants you to take is a daunting step, because you have mastered the act of being yielded normally, you would at least attempt it. I hear what I'm saying. Because sometimes when God wants you to do something, it's so big, it's so scary, and you want to run away from it. You will not feel adequately equipped for it. You will not feel qualified for it. It only works fine. It works nice as a fantasy. But when it's time to take actual steps, it's very scary. So, the little, little leadings and little, little yieldedness would prepare you for the big one. Simple, simple things are like initiatives. Oh, fast, weekly. It's not the most difficult thing. It's not the most difficult thing. But all of those things are preparing you for actually where he wants you to be. Read your Bible, listen to a sermon. Work on a habit. Deliberately stifle whatever is not of God in your life. Those little, little steps, they are taking you somewhere. But if he came to tell you that you know that this fasting I'm telling you to fast will prepare for your destiny, this habit I'm telling you to kill will prepare for your destiny, you will now take it seriously. But the most popular way he leads is cluelessness. You would only get to your destiny and realize that if I did not kill that habit at that time, I would have embarrassed myself here. You see, people say, that God prepared me for this years ago. Some even say, I didn't even know what he was preparing me for, but he was preparing me for something. It's only now in hindsight that it makes sense. You might not understand why you have to fast every week. You might not understand why 
you know, God will not allow you to go the way that many other people are going. He's preparing you for somewhere. He could tell you, but he will not. You just have to trust and obey. I hear what I'm saying. You have to trust and obey. You have to trust and obey. So what's the prophecy of your life? What are the responsibilities to commit to it? You see, sometimes the responsibilities, you just hear them in sermons like this. Oh, make sure you do this. Make sure you do this. Make sure you do this. Because the truth of the matter is that when God is preparing you, sometimes he doesn't tell you he's preparing you. You just hear a sermon, but you pick it up and do it. And later you look back and realize, oh, that was God preparing me. But if you looked closely at your Bible, at your Bible you'll have seen the expo already. Ephesians chapter 4. He gave apostles, evangelists, pastors, prophets, teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. To equip you for the work of ministry. So he gave you a pastor to train you for where he wants to take you to. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But you have to do the word. Hearing the word is not enough. You must do it. Praise the name of the Lord. So, you must know the responsibilities and then the games that the devil is playing. Now, that one is easy to know. <laughs> that one is easy to know. The devil, the devil, you see, God can hide things from you, but not the devil. The devil is easy to catch in his games. Do you get what I'm saying? But you must know. Let me tell you something. If you don't do this one, even if God lifts you high, if you are not careful, you'll still come down again. It will still destroy you. It will still destroy you. What some of us do not realize is that we are meant to have, some of us are meant to have certain consecrations in our lives. Things that God would mandate that you avoid. Things that God would mandate that you do. Some of you, he would say, make sure you fast every week. Some he would say things like, make sure you keep a vigil once every month. Some he would say, make sure you are not close, too close to the opposite sex. Some people who say, make sure, you might even have a talent, you say, make sure you don't collect money for it. You're like, God, what is this? I hear what I'm saying. You give it certain consecrations. It's different for everybody. Do you get what I'm saying? There's no generalized templates that everybody will just one size fits all. No. Many of those things will preserve you from what the devil wants to do to you. You see, the laws of God are not grievous. They are for our preservation. They are for our preservation. So what are the games that the devil is playing? And then are you adequately equipped to do all that God would have you do? Let's look at what the believer's mandate is. Generally, for every believer, what's our mandate? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. I'll read verse 15, I'll read verse 18, and I'll read verse 19. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 15. The Bible says, and that he died for all, that they which live, should therefore, or should henceforth not live unto themselves, but unto him 
who died for them and rose again. He says, and all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Christ Jesus and has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. He says, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses upon them, and had given unto them the ministry of reconciliation. I've explained these verses before. And I said there are two aspects to these verses. The first one is the salvation aspect to it. And the second one is the believer's mandate. How you became a believer and what your mandate is as a believer. So look at it. Verse 15 says, and that he died for all. That's how you became a believer. He now says, that day which live should not henceforth live for themselves. That's your mandate. So the first thing he tells us is that we are not living for ourselves. Say, I'm not living for myself. He says we shouldn't live for ourselves. So here's the question. Are you living for yourself? Praise the name of the Lord. Are you living for yourself? Hmm. Are you ready? Are you ready? No response. You're not ready. <laughs> are you ready? I said, are you living for Are you living for yourself? When you wake up every day, do you do the things you do for yourself? Ah, you said you are ready, right? See. Listen. Everything you do should be with the believer's mandate at the back of your mind. The Bible says when kings eat, people that have responsibilities, they don't just eat for gluttony's sake. They eat for strength. Say strength. Meaning, they don't just eat, ah, this food is nice, so I eat. Now, will they eat nice food? Yes. But there is a purpose to it. Meaning, if this portion will go beyond strength into making me lazy, you know you can eat and be strong, and you can eat and need to sleep. So, now, even something as basic as eating is with purpose. So that I have strength to do what God would have me do. I hear what I'm saying. Guess the interesting thing. Even medically, if you eat, eat too much, it could shorten your life. There's something called, there's something called portion control. Interestingly, it helps you to be better, to be fresher, and to live longer. When you eat just for strength, not that you eat and you're so bloated up and you can't do anything again. So, can we lead a life of purpose where when you sleep, you don't sleep with reckless abandon, you just keep going, going, going. You sleep just to rest so that you can stand up and do work. When you take a nap in the afternoon, it's not just, ah, there's nothing to do now. There's no lights. My gadgets are off. 
Let me sleep. By the time I wake up, there will be light. We'll continue watching series. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because we're in warfare. We're part of the Lord's army. There is a mandate upon our lives. There's what God would have us do. So, everything you are doing, you do it with purpose. When you make money, you make money with purpose in mind. When you enter a relationship, there's purpose in mind. When you buy things, there's purpose in mind. You know what? Interestingly, there are even practical modern-day examples of people that lead their lives like this and have been so successful in the things that they've committed themselves to doing. So what I'm saying is this. He says that we should live henceforth not for ourselves. Not for ourselves. Not for ourselves. He says, but unto him who died for them and rose again. And then he says in verse 18, he says, all things of God who has reconciled us to himself. That's, the, that's how we became believers. He brought us to himself. He delivered us from darkness, from destruction, brought us to himself. He says, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That's the believer's mandate. Let me say this clearly. Please pay attention. So, the Bible said and put them side by side that he brought you to himself and gave you the ministry of reconciliation. Many times we think that I can only do work for God when I mature. When I mature as a believer. When I put away all the contradictions and negative habits in my life. That's not true. He brought you to himself and gave you the ministry of reconciliation. This series of verses we're reading, that's all they show us. That he died for us, salvation. We should live for him. He brought us to himself and sent us, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And the examples like that in the Bible. In John chapter 4, the woman at the well. Had five husbands, was living with one that was not her husband. As soon as she left Jesus, she went to bring the entire city. She went to evangelize her city. He didn't say, hey, wait, until your reputation is something that will not stain my name. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, yeah, you might not be perfect yet. Maybe there are habits you need to fix. Maybe you don't even know, need to, um, know the word of God enough yet. The woman said... She went to evangelize and said, Hear a man, come and see a man that has told me all that I've ever done. Could he be the Christ? She wasn't even sure yet. But she went with a message. If they, if they say, come back here, come back here, come back here, and they ask her questions, she will not be able to answer. But she said, I don't have the answer. Can we go and meet him to get the answer? Could he be the Christ? Let's go and ask him. Why are you not evangelizing? I don't know enough. Okay. Then at least invite. That's what she did. She literally invited. I have ideas. I'm not totally sure about them. But come, let's go to where we can get all the answers. 
Somebody could have stopped her and said, you that we know. We know your life. You, that you are living with someone you are not married to. Say, well, let's go and meet him. Let's go and talk, table the matter at his, you know, at his feet. You must live with a sense of mandate. You must live with a sense of purpose. You must have a motive for the people in your life, the people you meet. I get it. You're trying to evangelize to a Muslim. You're praying, you're praying, you're praying. You're actually not praying. Let's not lie. <laughs> but we're saying that we're praying. I'm praying for the person. But are we praying for the people? Oh, there's this my friend. I want my friend to come to church. Have you invited the person? No, not yet, but I want to pray first. So how long have you been trying to do this thing? In like, I don't know, like three months. Are you hear what I'm saying? He has given everybody the ministry of reconciliation. He has given you an assignment to bring people to him. He has given us other responsibility to bring people to him. He says, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That's how we became saved. That's how you became a believer. He says, not imputing their trespasses upon them. So he's not imputing people's trespasses upon them. He wants them to know. And so he says, and had committed to us the word of reconciliation. The message that he's not imputing their trespasses upon them. I hear what I'm saying. I hear what I'm saying. How about if you tell the people you know that feel unqualified to be believers, to be Christians, because they think they can attain to what it means to be a Christian. They think that, you know, I've gone so far. They tell you, you know my life. And then you tell them, listen, God is not calling you to change your life by yourself. He says, I am not imputing your trespasses upon you. I want to pull you to myself. I want to aid you. Because the challenge is that we ourselves assume that people are going to become better in their habits by their efforts. And it's an offshoot of we trying to overcome habits by ourselves. Because if we were trusting God to overcome, we would have overcome a long time ago. But we are trying by ourselves and we are tired. This is what Paul says in Romans 7. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this burden of death? This burden of sin. And then in the next verse he says, I thank God through the Lord Jesus Christ who has delivered me. So because we did not depend on God, we don't even have a testimony to tell them. It doesn't take God time to, you know, to stifle those negative habits in our lives. It doesn't take God time to kill the fear, to evangelize the fear of not being able to do what God will have you to do. It, it doesn't take time. The problem is we are trying to do it by our power. And so we don't have any testimony that the power of God has done this. And so we can't tell anybody. You don't have a testimony to share. 
that I also was addicted to this and this and this and this. But it was not by power. It wasn't by my might. It's that God was at work in me. I saw in God's word that all this habit he has nailed to the cross and I chose to believe it. Gradually, steadily but surely, everything fizzled out. You don't need to try. You just need to believe. I'm inviting you to be a believer. Just keep believing. His promise is that he will walk in you. I understand. You cannot remove it from your mouth. I'm not saying you should. What if you don't like it the taste anymore? What if it takes away that desire from you? I'm not saying you should try. Because many of them are honest people. They tried and they failed. But because we have not tried God's word for ourselves, we don't have a message. We know the word, but it's not easy to tell anybody because you don't have a strong conviction. You've not seen it work in your life. I you know what I'm saying? The woman had one encounter with Jesus. And that was the message she had for her city. He told me all I ever did. I hear what I'm saying. So what I'm saying we should do is, I want you to experience God. I want you to encounter God. I want God's word to work in your own life. Allow him give you his, the desire for himself. So that when you meet someone that doesn't love God, you say, I was once there. I used to wonder how some people were passionate for God. I'm not that kind of person. But he did something to me. He gave me passion for himself. He gave me zeal for himself. He gave me love. I, I'm not trying to love him. And then you tell the person, you don't need to try. Just come and listen. Just believe what you hear. So he puts the mandate besides believing. You believe, now I give you the word of reconciliation. Our responsibility is to make sure that anyone that is going through any issue see the light through God. See that God has an answer for them. See that God loves them. And that this, you know, the mishaps in their life are not indicative that God doesn't love them. The devil might play games. But guess what? We know this one. That all things work together for good. All things. All things. All things. It's okay. I understand you can say sorry. You know, I don't know why things are always happening like this for you. But what we, we, after all of that, we say we know that this thing will turn for a testimony. Praise the name of the Lord. It's an offshoot of an experience with God. That's what I'm saying. It's an offshoot of an experience with God. The reason why we haven't been running the believer's mandate is because we don't have an experience with God. We don't have any testimony. And so I want you to, you know, implore you to open yourself to experience God. Because there's a difference between a man with a message and a man with an, an encounter. It's a man with an experience. So let me put it clearly to you. God wants you to know him and to make him known to everybody. 
The reason why for many people is difficult, but like, how do I do it? Is because, like I said, you've not had an experience. The woman, when she had an experience with him, she says, come and see a man that told me all that I ever did. I remember years ago, there was a man of God I followed. And everywhere he went, he told his testimony. And he never got tired of telling his testimony. Year after year, people after people, if it's a thousand people, if it's a crowd of people, if it's one person, he told them his testimony. First of all, I was very surprised that he was able to tell them. Because many of us cannot tell people what we have struggled with. What we were addicted to. But that vulnerability, first of all, is, a first, is the first step in coming out of that problem. Because he that hides his sin will not prosper. <laughs> you are not going to come out of it. Because many of us have truly not been victorious. Some of us have tried in our own power to be victorious for a while and failed. We tried again and we failed. And so we are scared to tell people that we have come out of it because we don't know if we are going to fail again. You can't say, I used to have anger issues. Because the person might see you deafing somebody as they are going. Because it wasn't you. It wasn't your responsibility to bring yourself out in the first instance. It's him that began the good work that will bring it into perfection. When you've had that experience, it's easy to tell people, he that did it for me, I can assure you he will do it for you. And then after a while, you say, he has done it for me, but not me alone. I have a lineup of people behind me that I've shared this experience with, and they've tried it. They've seen that it works. At that point, it's not difficult to evangelize to anybody anymore because you have something to tell them. What did the woman say? See a man that told me all I ever did. Could this be the Christ? That message brought the city. I didn't hear what I'm saying. So there's a message. It's called the gospel. It's the good news. Is that God has brought us out of darkness into light. He has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness into light. And all the effects of the kingdom of darkness have fallen from our lives. The habits that are not consistent with the kingdom of light, the ones that are consistent with the kingdom of darkness, they have fallen from our lives. Praise the name of the Lord. I want you to realize this morning, that the things you are struggling with, you are not meant to struggle with them. He didn't say you should struggle with them. He says, allow me. I will handle it. I hear what I'm saying? Your responsibility is to believe. My responsibility is to fix it. We've said this in church multiple times. Supernatural results are a product of the sovereign will of God. God wanting to do it. And the deliberate faith of man. So, I want to stifle all those habits in your life. That's the sovereign will of God. You, what I want you to do is believe. What did I tell you? I will take the stony heart out of your flesh. That heart that is not responsive to God, I will take it. 
So when you meet someone that is not responsive to God, yeah, God said he would take it. Just, just believe. He says he will take it and put in you passion. See, but I don't want to be zealous for God. I don't, I don't like that kind of thing. Say, yeah, hold on. He will do it in a way that you will start liking it. You will start enjoying it. You start wondering, why didn't I like this thing before? Concerning Jesus, the Bible said he loved righteousness and hated wickedness. He had disgust towards wickedness, towards ungodliness. So he didn't say try. He says, let me do it for you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So I'm not saying try and change your ways. I'm saying he can make you love it. You will fall in, you'll be enjoying it as you are doing it. And the person already has experience, so he can relate. Maybe he takes maybe drugs or whatever. Maybe he takes some drinks that are bitter. They used to slap, but he enjoys it. You see, you know how that thing is. You will start enjoying God like that. I know now you think you will not like it, but let him touch you. And if God tells you you will like something, I assure you, you will like it. I hear what I'm saying. And so my message for you this morning is that you yourself, you yourself, you yourself, he's saying that thing that is not of him in your life, he has removed it. And I want you to believe that. Faith doesn't look at the scene, what you can see around, what you can feel. We've explained it. Faith is confidence in the unseen. Oh, the habit came up again and I fell. Oh, I will be confident in what I did not see. What I saw was myself falling. But what is unseen is that I'm victorious. I choose to be confident in what I've not seen. And it's only a matter of time. They say he calls the things that are not as though they are. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, oh, you know, when we look at you, we see you're still struggling. He calls the thing that is not your victory. He calls it like that's what it is. And so he's telling you, you are victorious. It's not a prayer point. The habits have been killed. Hallelujah. Uh, you, didn't, you didn't get it. I said the habits have been killed. The desire has been stifled. Glory to God. I know you thought you needed to pray and fast, you know, and do all of those things. He said he has nailed it to the cross. It's not there anymore. It's not there anymore. It's not there anymore. But I still feel it. Yeah. How will it become your experience? How will you get that supernatural result? God has said it. I believe it. That settles it. Praise the name of the Lord. I want you to believe it every day. If you fall, believe it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Believe it. John chapter 8, they brought a, brought a woman from the very bed of adultery. Jesus looked at her and said, do not condemn you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He didn't look at her and say, madam. Because he says, very bed of adultery, so she's probably married. Didn't you think about your husband? Are you not a woman? Don't you have conscience? Yeah, your gender safe. He didn't do that. So he didn't beat her up. So I get it. You are frail. Sometimes you fall. Don't beat yourself up. He looked at her 
and says, I do not condemn you. With the strength of this thing I'm saying, go and sin no more. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I do not condemn you. That's where it starts from. That's where it starts from. Some of you feel condemned, condemned, condemned. Then you now sleep. When you wake up, you still feel condemned. You cannot pray. It's more, small. You start from the outset. I do not condemn you. Go and sin no more. Praise the name of the Lord. So we have a message. We have a message. But beyond the message, there is a demonstration. Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 and 8. Please open your Bibles. I want us to read this together. Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 and verse 8. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Matthew chapter, 7, Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 and verse 8. Are you there? Please pray the language of the Spirit for a bit. Whoosh. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lekaparia. Matthew chapter 10, verse 7. Are you there? Read together, everybody. One, two, go. I can't hear everybody. Everybody want to go. to God. I don't know if you caught what you read. So let's read it again. Want to go. As you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out devils. How did you receive? So, he said you will cast out devils. You will raise the dead. He said you receive that ability freely. He didn't say, you will attain to it by your diligence. He said, freely you have received. Is that in your Bible? What I'm t doing now is called spiritual intelligence. I'm helping you to see things differently. Because it's easy to see this thing and think, well, I get it, but can I really do it? He says, freely you have received. The message and the demonstration, freely you have received. The message and the demonstration, freely you have received. If you are going to get the supernatural result, it is the sovereign will of God. He has told you go and do it. Meaning it is his desire for you to do it. And the deliberate faith of man, you must believe. You must be confident in what you have not seen. Are you hearing me? If you try and it failed, you still have to believe. Confidence in the unseen. He says, freely you've received. He says, freely you must give. So I get it. You might never have prayed for any sick person and seen them healed. He says, you should... You received it freely. You received it freely. It came with the package. In Mark 16, he says, these signs will follow you. They will follow you. They will follow you. They will follow you. I want you to be confident in what you've not seen. 
Maybe you've never seen the sick healed through you. I want you to be confident. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I want you to be able to tell the person with confidence that if you believe the message, the habits will die. Confidence in what you've not seen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Confidence in what you've not seen. That he's going to give you desire for him. You are going to love God. You don't have to walk by yourself to love God. He will do it to you. Confidence in what you've not seen. You've never seen it happen to anybody through your hands, through your ministry. But he says freely you've received. I want you to be confident in it. That that habit in the life of the person you are talking to is going to die. I want you to be confident. I want you to trust God. He can do it, can't he? He can do it, can't he? Let's, let's trust him. At least try. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Try. Try. He says, go and preach that the kingdom of God is at hand. He said, heal the sick. He said, cleanse the lepers. He says, raise the dead. He says, cast out devils. He says, you've received freely. Give it freely. But I want to make it very simple because I mean I can inspire you this morning and ginger you. And you say, yes. The act and the words. The message and the action. But I want to be able to spell it out so that you know what the action looks like. I've done this before, but I think it's important to do it again. What are the traits that you see in a man of spiritual fire? What are these actions going to look like? What are you going to be able to do? The first one is knowledge. Say knowledge. Hmm. Knowledge. Are you ready? Hmm. Something that will begin to happen as you go is that you start knowing things that nobody told you. Hey. When you are done talking, the person will say, that message was for me. What you said, it, it, it touched me in a personal way. God sent you. You say some things and people say, how did you know that this is what I'm going through? In your mind, you are saying, for example, Lou, do you understand? You, you, you are giving an illustration. You are like, let's say you don't, you don't used to sleep in the night. Or let's say you were unable to sleep last night. People say, how did you know? Say, ah, I did not know. Until you said, how did I know? You will just know. Praise the name of the Lord. Of course, like I said you, you, earlier, you know the prophecies of your life, you know the responsibilities, you know the games the devil is playing. Those things are markers of believers. Concerning Jesus, the Bible said he knew their thoughts. How about I'm evangelizing to a person and I'm answering the questions he's thinking in his mind? Freely you've received. And you know what I'm saying? So, here's how it works practically. You're evangelizing and some people are just thinking in their mind, say this one, they're not going to work for money. They're just going up and down. The church will just be sending them to invite people. You go and walk up to them. And say, Let me. you will answer the question in their mind. Then the person will know that God sends this one. So, it has happened to you many times. You didn't know how to respond to the situation. That's why I say what I'm giving is spiritual intelligence. Oh, that's what you're thinking. Let me give you an answer to it. I have something more than gold. I know it's easy to think I should be looking for money right now. 
And the person is like, ah, hey, how did this guy know this is what I'm thinking? But guess what? The spirit of God in the heart of a man is something more than gold. This money, money is good. We will spend it and we will make this money. But guess what? Once we close our eyes in death and nobody knows the time, we forbid and we hope it won't be anytime soon, but, that it, but everybody will surely die one day and leave this earth. Then we'll start spending something that is more than money. Then since everybody already knows what Yahoo boys look like, you see, is you've seen them, they will make money, they will be rich for five years, and for the rest of their life, they'll be poor and miserable. Is that what you like? They say no. They say, but that's what you're trying to do in eternity. You want to make money in this life, but eternally suffer. He says, in that hour, I will give you the words. He said, don't think of what to say. He says, in that hour, the Spirit of God would give you the words. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So next time you are talking, you are evangelizing, and you feel the thoughts of people, go and walk up to them. In that hour, he will give you the words. Do you know, it's what the Bible says. So I don't know what to tell them, but go. So when Jesus knew people's thoughts, he answered their thoughts. He asked them questions. Then the person will know that God has spoken to them that day. So the first thing is knowledge. You will just know things. You will just know things. Let me tell you something. Sometimes you just know that somebody has a sick relative. Now you've probably never prayed for anybody that, is, that God healed before. But if God made you to know that thing, then at least try. But whilst you are trying, be confident. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That he that sent you will heal this person. Listen, listen, listen. Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, verse 17, he said, these signs will follow them that believe. In my name, they will cast out devils, they will heal the sick. And I've explained to you what a sign is. A sign is something that you see that communicates a message to you. So when you are driving and you see the traffic sign or the traffic light, when you see red, you don't need to hear stop or see stop or have a traffic warning stand and tell you to stop. That sign, that, that color is a message. When the traffic warden stands in front of your car and raises his hand like this, it's a sign. He didn't have to say that you should stop. This sign was a message. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? So he says, signs would follow you. You will heal the sick, you will cast out devils. Meaning that there's a message behind the miracles. So when I now pray for this person's sick, you know, family member or loved one, it's a message to that person. It communicates something. It's not because of you. Now, if you know this, it makes it easier. God confirming their words with signs following. Do you get what I'm saying? So, God wants to confirm what you are saying. Listen, I don't want you to be scared that, oh, maybe you will not. Eh, eh, the promise is they will follow you. So, we get discouraged. We feel ill-equipped to pray for the sick. But he promised you they will follow you. He said, freely you've received. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It means the miracles are a gift through you. It's a gift through you. God wants to walk through you. 
and it's to confirm everything you are saying. You are already there sharing the message. And God said, I want to confirm it. Move out of the way I want to confirm what you are saying. I want to touch this person in a way that they would feel it. You've dropped the message. Allow me confirm it for you. A lot of people have come to talk to them and have gone. Some messages they've forgotten. All the messages probably they've forgotten. But let me do something that communicates the message in a personal way. Say so these signs will follow them. It has nothing to do with your preparation. He's saying, move out of the way, let me act. Listen, his promise to you is that he will follow you. He says you received it freely. Give it freely. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God is more interested in confirming those words than any limitation in your mind. He is more interested in, in touching that person in a personal way. I just need you to be spiritually intelligent and realize that if I say it, he will confirm it. He was waiting for somebody to voice it out. To say that relative is healed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He said, I will confirm it. He has already given you the message. Sometimes in that instance, you are even seeing things that, like I said, that the person begins to wonder, how did you know this thing? These things you are saying, they are personal to me. And he says, let me even confirm it to the person. In case he thinks it's guess what, let me confirm it. God wants to back you up. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I want you to realize that he's behind you. And he wants to confirm what you're saying. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. He said he confirmed their words. So you know things. You know things. When you walk up to someone, you just know what to say. You know things about their lives. Some you know their thoughts. And I've told you, when you know their thoughts, what do you do? Go and meet the person and talk to them. Once you just know, once you just feel like this one is looking at me and this is what's crossing his mind, go and meet them and address that thought. That's what Jesus did. Follow that example. You will see miracles like never before. Many times the hardened guys are the ones that you think, ah, this one is a tough one to talk to. Many times they are the ones that will surprise you. They will be listening. Because God is working on their hearts. He was working on their hearts before you stay hearing this message. He's working on their hearts while you are listening. As you are going, he's working on their hearts. And so he opens up their thoughts to you. So the first one is signs. The second one is sight. Say sight. Say it again. Say sight. Now, Acts chapter 2 verse 17. The Bible says, And it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, that I'll pour my spirit upon all flesh. He says, Your young men will see vision. Your old men will dream dreams. Praise the name of the Lord. So, God has promised us that we will see in the spirit. We'll see visions. We will dream dreams. He says, it shall come to pass. I will pour my spirit. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. He says, your young men will see vision. So, I don't want you to exclude yourself from the category of people that would see visions, that would dream prophetic dreams. Listen, he says, it shall come to pass that I will pour my spirit and your young men will see vision. I don't know if you caught what I said. He didn't say, because this is how we think. We think what he said is, 
you know, it shall come to pass in the last days. That when you have overcome every habit, even though you should, and you have prayed, even though you should, then you will see visions. Then you will dream prophetic dreams. That's what we think he said. So many of us, out of unbelief, disqualify ourselves. We think, I can't, did me, my own dream prophetic. How will my own dream be prophetic? Pharaoh's dream was prophetic. And he was not a believer. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But you, a believer, you are disqualifying yourself. No. That's an abnormality. What he said is, in the last day, I will pour my spirit. Then you will see vision. I will pour my spirit and you will see vision and you will dream dreams. And we saw the outpouring of the spirit in Acts chapter 2. So visions are opened to you. Prophetic dreams are opened to you. Many of us miss them. Because we don't think ah, it can happen to me. I hear what I'm saying. We don't think it can happen to us. I want you to realize that it's the promise of God to you. As you pray, you would see visions. As you are talking to people, you would see visions. Some of them will just be like images in your mind. Like thoughts that flash through your mind. If you see something that is negative, pray against it. Some of you say, ah, and it's, and I thought about it the other day. Oh. Yeah, it was a vision. We were meant to pray about it. Anytime I dream, it always happens. Hey, pray about it. Pray about it. The problem is many of us don't realize that you are meant to pray and pray and pray until the result comes knocking on your door. When they locked Peter in prison, they didn't just can we pray together? We pray that Apostle Peter will be released in Jesus' name of prayed. That's not what they did. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm addressing people that say, anytime I dream, it must come to pass. You don't just, you don't just dream and pray five minutes, cute prayer, or 30 minutes and stop. Mm -mm. You pray until the testimony materializes. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, if you are praying and you, you don't have the, number one point, knowing in your heart that this evil will not happen, keep praying. Keep praying. I told you last week, prayer has a cumulative effect. Prayer has a, cumula prayer has a cumulative effect. Elijah didn't just pray once that rain would start falling. He prayed and prayed and prayed until his servant said, I see something in the cloud like a man's hand. Are you hearing me? Because sometimes we don't know. We just think, okay, I pray. If God wants to answer, he will answer. Oh, by now, God has heard. That's not all the factor involved. You keep praying. You keep praying. I believe that more prophetic dreams will begin to open up to us. In the name of Jesus. One thing I want you to do is to be a faithful steward. He that is faithful in little, faithful in much. So when he, he will not just reveal to you something about the nation that you are meant to pray about you. That he showed you that you have a quarter accident and you did not pray. He will not reveal the nation to you. Uh, <laughs> no. 
No, the nation will be doomed. Are <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? Be faithful in little. Anyone that's been led by God's spirit knows this. If he tells you something and you don't do it, he tells you again you don't do it, after a while the thing will close up. That's what has happened to many people. You are not faithful in little. You are not faithful in little. Learn to be faithful in little. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Sights. In Luke chapter 10, verse 17 to 18. Oh, beautiful. Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons were subject to us in your name. And Jesus answered them and said, I beheld Satan fall like lightning. This is how you know that what we see happened physically happened in the spirit. They went and they saw that their ministry prospered. Demons were expelled. The meeting was mighty. They came back with gist. They said, you needed to come for that crusade. Our crusade are blue. You didn't show up, Jesus. They, they, you could have come. He said, I saw it in the spirit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let me ask you, have you seen the Finding boot, Hope Bootcamp in the spirits? Yeah. Have you seen it? Have you seen it? Have you seen it? Have you seen 2024 in the spirits? Have you seen it? Have you seen, hey, there are issues in your family you've been praying for. Have you seen Satan fall like lightning? Have you seen him running away from that issue? Listen, that sick person doesn't have to die. I want you to pray until you know that Satan has vacated that environment. Let me use this time to tell you, please be around for Finding Hope Bootcamp. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. On, Sunday, on, on Saturday morning, we are going to pray. And that's, that's when I want you to settle down and deal with these issues. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Settle down and deal with it. Don't come late. It's not that you now come at the end of the prayer. You're not saying, in Jesus' name we've prayed. Every prayer we've heard is answered. You say, Amen to, please. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come and pray your heart out. Make sure, like Anna, when she went for Shiloh, she prayed until she said, you've gotten your son. That's what the prophet told her. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Pray until you break through in prayer. Start praying from now. Don't wait till then. Start praying from now. Start praying from now. Trashing out the issues. Be very serious. If you need to write down what your prayer points are, write them down. Start praying from now. I hear what I'm saying. Start praying from now. Let's enter next year like giants. Are you hear what I'm saying? Let's enter next year like giants. Whether it's relationship, whether it's finances, whether it's friendship, maybe you need network. Maybe it's your career, it's your business, it's your academics. It's ministry. Whatever it is, stay habits. Whatever it is, start from now. Pr listen, listen. Pray until, like Jesus said, you see Satan fall like lightning. You know that that issue is ensured in Christ. Nothing can happen to it. It can't go wrong. The number one point I told you, you just know. Are you hear what I'm saying? For some of you, you know. For some of you, you see it. You see the venture prospering. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. And when Jesus saw that, they saw the physical manifestation. So maybe that's how Jesus prepared for his crusades. He would have seen everything in the spirit. So when he comes there, he knows, oh, there's no bread. Oh, that's easy. Look for, there should be bread around. Go and, go and look for something. Because he just knew. He knew. You know, the Bible says when Jesus multiplied bread, the Bible says he knew what to do. 
But as a training in ministry, he asked his disciples, how can we feed these people? I didn't hear what I'm saying. You didn't catch what I said. I said, he knew how the 5,000 were going to get food, but he asked them, meaning there is common access to knowledge. There's common access to knowledge. Meaning if they had prayed, they would have known. They would have said, let's go and get bread. Whatever bread will get to be sufficient to feed everybody, they will have known. He knew, but he was asking them. There's common access to knowledge. Praise the name of the Lord. So, don't just wait and say, oh, it's when we come. The pastor will prophesy upon us. And then that's how we'll get a miracle. No, there's common access to knowledge. There's common access to sight. Before you come, I want you to have seen what will happen to you. I want you to have seen what will happen to your city. Because there's common access. I told you this one is different, isn't it? It's different. It says, I beheld Satan fall. The third one is sound. Say sound. Oh boy. Acts chapter 13 verse 2. Common access to sound. The Bible says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work I've called them. So people heard it. There was common access to sound. They heard something. Common access. What will happen in conferences, some of you receive prophecies. People walk up to you and say, Oh, this and this and this is what the Lord is saying. And you say, yeah, he told me also. Common access to sound. Praise the name of the Lord. Even in your evangelism, you walk up to someone and you just tell them, say, see, that's what I was praying for. Sound. I'm out of time, I have to rush through it. But listen, eh? If you're a person of prayer, you won't say, I don't know when God is leading me. Oh, are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Now, for some of you, you know when God is leading you, but there are areas where you are confused about. You know, sometimes we are okay with doing well in some areas. We don't realize that God wants us to be wholesome. So in areas where you are confused, I want you to pray until you break through and there's clarity. 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 Common access to sound. Number four is doings. Hmm. You can do and undo. You can change things. Praise the name of the Lord. Even in the physical world, you can do and undo. Habits can change. I hear what I'm saying? Habits can change. Maybe you know, because of the nature of what God has said you should do, you need to be a marketer, you need to be a salesperson, but that's not how you are normally. It can change. It can change. It can change. It can change. I just need you to put in more time in prayers. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Put in more time. It can change. He can change things in your life. Maybe you are depressed, you are sad, or you're saddest. You're not usually an excited person. The Bible says in your spirit is love, is joy. 
Maybe sometimes you just find yourself sad. It can change. Maybe there are members of your families with different illnesses, high blood pressure, sugar diabetes. It can change. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, what I'm even saying is not something that is strange. Our parents saw lineage patterns and many of them broke them. It's your turn now. It's your turn. It's your turn. Maybe they did not break some. It's your turn now. It's your turn. It's your turn. It's your turn. I wish I had the time to explain this, but maybe in camp meeting we'll talk about it. It's the cumulative effect of prayer and how to pray effectively so that these things can stop. It will take a while, but it's possible. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's possible. When Hannah settled down finally with the matter of barrenness, she gave birth the next year. She gave birth. Do you get what I'm saying? This is what the old timers in Christianity in Nigeria knew, and this is what they did. They destroyed witchcrafts and you know idol worship in their families. It wasn't just it wasn't just a message. Oh, eh? they broke powers. They trampled upon serpent and scorpion, and nothing by any means hurt them. It's your turn. It's your turn. Are you hear what I'm saying? So you can do and undo. You can remove barrenness and put fruitfulness. You can remove poverty and put, you know, abundance. Let me tell you something. What I'm saying is this. Somebody can be seen, right? Seen. I'm not saying the person is. Can be seen as barren. The person is not fruitful. And through some medical procedure and medical intervention, the person would begin to be fruitful and have children. That does not negate the fact that sometimes prayer can fix it. Do you get what I'm saying? It doesn't have to be either or. The both of them can walk. I mean, um, do you get what I'm saying? The same thing with poverty. Sometimes there are natural and physical things the person needs to do. And sometimes they are spiritual. The both of them can walk arm in arm. Sometimes from the spiritual, he tells you, go and read this book. Go and read this book. Go and work on this thing. Go and take this course. You are saying I will do it, I do it. Go and do it now. I hear what I'm saying. So sometimes what you get from prayer is instructions. Sometimes what you get is intervention. Sometimes he tells you you are too lazy. Organize yourself. I hear what I'm saying. Because sometimes we think, I said we talk about it in camp meeting, we think it's just God, you know, change my financial status, do this. No, sometimes that's not what you need to do. There is a way to pray that, like I said, you are yielded. You just take the right steps. You take the right steps. Sometimes you take a day to pray or some time to pray. When you finish prayer, you just start arranging your rooms. Arrange your room, put your clothes, wash everywhere, fix everything. You realize for some time, maybe a day or two, your life will just be orderly. You wake up at the right time. You wake up, you pray, you do things well. What happened? Your spirit, something happened to your spirit. And so you are just moving. God doesn't need to tell you. You just know the next step. Arrange this one. Put it here. Do this. Call this person. It's that your spirit is yielded. Praise the name of the Lord. And that's the same thing that would happen. Sometimes with finances, as you pray, you just start making the right moves. Someone you were meant to have called since January. This is November. You will just pick up your phone and call. 
and the call might not be long and what you've been waiting for that you've been thinking try to gather courage the door will just be open to you doings are you hearing what I'm saying? doings the final one is the anointing there's such a thing as the anointing the Bible says that handkerchiefs and aprons were taken from the apostles and when they were placed on the sick they got healed demons were expelled how many of you know that demons are real it's not a fable it's not a story it's a real deal yeah the bible says the shadow of peter would touch the sick and they got healed those days are not behind us the anointing can be stayed when the woman of the issue of blood touched jesus he says virtue left me there was something there was a transference there was a transference it's something that happens to your spirit. An anointing is stead. It's that anointing that demons see and run away from. Jesus showed up and said, have you come to torment us before our time? He didn't say anything. He didn't say anything. You step into your house after camp meeting and all the demons will check out. Check out. They will check out. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They will check out. I want you to move from being the tormented to the tormentor. Because that's what Jesus was not tormented by demons. He was tormenting them. The Bible said he rebuked the demon. Matthew 17, he rebuked. You know, do you know what rebuke means? Have you, see, have you seen them scolding all those stubborn children? That's, that's what the word means. It means you will trash it and send it away. That's what, that's what he did to demons. He rebuked them. Because something is going to happen inside of you. Praise the name of the Lord. Have you been blessed this morning? Please rise up on your feet.